Good morning everyone, it's Thursday and today I want to talk about three studies, three very interesting studies actually that gives us a lot of insight. So the first study looks at genetics versus exercise um, and can exercise help you overcome your DNA? So in a recent study, researchers from the University of California, San Diego decided to find out. They measured the habitual activity levels of 5,400 women in their late 70s and also analyzed their DNA for three genetic markers associated with longevity. longevity. They kept track of the women for an average of 6.5 years. Okay, very long time. The finding for older women, exercise can overcome genetics when it comes to living longer. Exercise can overcome genetics when it comes to living longer. Okay, let's have a look into this deeply. Women with the most genetic markers for longevity were 68% more likely to survive to the age of 90 than women with the worst genes. That's nuts, isn't it? 68% more likely to survive to the age of 90 than women with the worst genes. But that difference disappeared once physical activity levels were factored in. So regardless of their genetic markers, women who completed the most light daily physical activities each day had a reduced risk of dying compared to the least active group. Okay, so activity is essential and bridges the gap. So someone can have better genes than you, you move, you move, you bridge the gap, goes, that benefit or that, you know, them living longer, you know, in this research is gone. Um, so the activity they did in this research, the light activity was very light, like housework, gardening, playing an instrument, blow drying the hair, doing the hair, you know, doing that for throughout the day um, was very, very um, effective. And for people in the study, they did it for five hours a day. It's just being able to move, you know, you're kind of writing, you're putting books away, you're moving chairs, you're going to you're going to cook, you're going to do some gardening, you're going to go walk to the shop. You know, we can easily get about five hours of that in per day, but we typically don't because we're sitting down. So moving without sweating is very good for us. And it's clear as day, as you, in a study, women who are older, just doing that was enough to bridge the gap between the genetics. But the research looked at as well, if they even, if they picked up the intensity more, there was even more benefit, right? So they looked at the group of the highest accumulated um, moderate activity, which was 70 minutes a day, so 7-0. Um, and this was on the metabolic equivalent of task scale. So the they wanted it level three or higher. So just give you context on that scale. Um, for you to be in a 1.5 to three, which is lower, would be stretching, standing, and walking the dog, so really slow. So to be three and above, so 70 minutes of three and above. So three and above is walking at three miles per hour, strength training, scrubbing the floors, raking the lawn, walking four miles per hour, obviously strength training a bit harder, running at four miles per hour or jogging. So that's kind of the moderate. So can you do 70 minutes of a brisk walk combined with like a workout, combined with someone else, you'd probably hit those numbers, right? Um, and that's kind of at the, at the top scale of the benefits. So yeah, I think it's important to look at, as in today's world, we think that physical activity has to be high intensity interval training. We must be sweating our, you know, whatever off <laughs> to get the, pre the the benefits, but we don't. Even if you're not sweating, but you're moving, it's so good for you. It's what humans were meant to do, which leads me to the next study. But just be content with movement, guys. Whatever movement you guys, sitting on a chair all day is no good. 
getting up, going for a walk, standing, taking phone calls, standing as a new habit instead of sitting down, just some something where you're moving a bit is going to be massively beneficial over the long over the long run. Um, and this research just proves it. And even if you don't have the best genetics, you can still do something about it, which is brilliant news. Imagine our study said, yeah, even if that group with the bad genetics did an hour of training a day, still gone to any other people with good genetics, you'd be like, well, fuck. Thanks for that, genetics. Um, so the next one is about, does it matter if we walk or run? So we know humans are born to move, and move a lot in that case. And this study looked at... Um, People who'd walk, you know, back in um, 60,000 years ago, uh, Africa, we would be walking a lot, hunting a lot. Um, and it shows that people who take the most daily steps have the lowest rate of dementia, heart disease and cancer, and the lowest risk of premature death from any cause. So steps is is up there with one of the most important things you should focus on. That's what I'm saying, get your steps in, get your steps in. Five, 6,000 a day in these charts. It looks like the benefits hit well or like the most benefits you from like 1000 a day to 6000 days so you big drop in these the causes and then it starts flatlining between 6 to 12000 you still get an improvement beyond 12000 the improvement is less in terms of the health so you want to be hitting 6 to 12 range and you know i'm hitting the 5 to 6 range recently and you know and i, I I want to be doing more. I was doing eight and nine, and I like being in that zone. I felt better. And, you know, sometimes you look at it, you can say busy day in work and all this stuff, but really there is no there is no excuse for us not to get five to 6,000 steps a day in. And um, for me, it's definitely, you know, I've got a few days left of the week now to bring that average up, which I'm going to do and focus on, and happy days, really. So let's make sure we do that. Um, but into this study... There's always a debate between a human's meant to run and a human's meant to walk. The way the walk run debate. Um, and they looked at this research, they did like a simulation, and they were trying to figure out how did we hunt. And we know this, there's a book called The Old Way I read a while back as well. It talks about how did we um, hunt when we only had like a spear and we were hunting these massive buffalo or whatever. But we, we did it through persistent hunting. So we basically chased an animal until it couldn't run anymore. So it was so exhausted, it just collapsed, basically. And a lot of the um, animals on the savannah at that time had very... uh, There was a certain one, I can't remember the name, had very thick fur. So it couldn't sweat out the heat, so it overheat quite fast. So if if you got it to run for a bit, it would eventually collapse from exhaustion. And then, you you know, it would be an easy kill, basically. So it took a lot of guts, took a lot of skill, it took a lot of strategy and teamwork... And hours for humans back end to get a kill and get the steak and get the meat that they needed to survive. So it can do runs, endurance, endurance, endurance. Right, but what is it better to do the endurance through walking or is it better to do the endurance through running is what they wanted to find out. So the study looked at this, you know, water loss and body core temperature. Um, they did simulated 50,000 hunts <laughs> using the technology, which is quite cool, right? Um, and they wanted to see if they could you know, they check different speeds, walking speeds, running speeds, combination of both, um, to see which one was best environmental conditions. So what the study found was, um, they thought the walking would be the most successful strategy for long distance hunting, um, because it would keep your body temperature down, it was boiling and all this stuff. Um, but what they, th- what, they th- what they saw was walking was the worst hunting strategy for most prey in most conditions, so just walking was the worst. 
So the higher success rate came when the hunter moved just a little faster than the animal's preferred walking or running pace, right? So they required the hunter to run at a very fast pace sometimes, it required a pace that was quite easy for them. Um, walking could work, um, but really there was more towards a walk into a run. Um, and the study was basically saying hunters, humans, the most, because obviously if you think of Charles Darwin and, you know, the genes that passed on and, you know, what we learned that got passed on and how we evolved, it's, it, 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 it's not that we were just walkers or just runners. We were a multi-speed uh, species, if that makes sense. So we evolved to do a range of speeds and a range of challenges um, so we were able to adapt whatever prey and that's how we are sitting here today and that's how you're listening to me now on this podcast that we've ever, back in that those days we got through those thousands of years doing that so what does it do when it comes back to what we're going to say now this ties in with the first study so we know the walking has got a insanely beneficial uh, link to our health right just walking forget about physical weight training now but we know that we have evolved to be multi-speed. So to walk, to brisk walk, to sprint, to jog. So really we wanna be moving in all different types of speeds as a variety, as a whole. If we were to pick the perfect type of plan for us as a human being, it would be that I walk a lot each day, that I do some runs, that I do something that's a bit more high intensity, like the weights, because that would have been the thing back then. It would be jogging and it'd be running in different directions. It'd be kneeling down on the floor, picking stuff up. It'd be moving my body in different ways, just being active and moving. And that's really what a human being has evolved to do. That's what we are meant to be meant to be doing, right? So when you go on these runs and you've never run before, don't think like, oh my God, I can't run consistently for 10K. Think of it like, I'm gonna run and then I'm gonna stop and walk. And this is exactly what the type of training we should be doing. We should be working at different speeds because when you, if you go into a running um, plan and you can't run 5K, like running 1K and you're knackered, it's really hard, it's flying, that's really high intensity for you. Doesn't matter that it's not high intensity for someone else. For you, that 1K is high intensity, then you walk. So you've gone into this high intensity, like kind of all out run, because your heart has gone up and you can bring it back down. Just because it's not as, it's because it's harder and someone else can do 5K without stopping, for them to replicate what you've just done is they'd have to run 10K and then they'd have to walk because 10K is their uh, end point or their barrier. Does that make sense? So we've all got similar, we've all got different levels of conditioning of the body. Some of us are fitter than others, but it's the same type of thing to happen. The heart rate goes up, puts us in a high intensity zone. If you're unfit, your high intensity zone is easier to reach, that's all. There's some people who are really fit, it's harder to get to the high intensity zone. Okay, that's the only difference, so don't worry. So I think that ties in nicely with this challenge, to be honest. This challenge we're doing, we've got some boxing type of movement, we're, you know, we're using the full body, we're using, we're powering through the legs, we're down on the floor. We've got the sweat and shred, bringing in high intensity Tabata style training. We've got the form with Ryan, where you're doing deep squats, we're working on mobility. Then we're going in the core with Joe, getting our core strength, and then we're going into mobility with Alex. So kind of like Ryan's session, but more focused on full body movements and moving in all directions, right? And then going for walks, perfect. I can't think of anything, we're moving, 
just as we should be and you should be proud of that and you, should, you will reap the rewards for doing this long term there's no doubt about it and <clears throat> i just want to finish with one other study this is a really short one university of surrey in england they want to look at um the psychologist wanted to look at if humor has any impact on body image and eating behaviors so there was four types of humor they explained the affiliate affiliated affilia Oh, I, I hate saying words live. <laughs> I don't practice any voice notes. Right? Affiliative. Yeah, anyway, I'm trying to say it too fast. Affiliative. Affiliative humour includes saying something funny to break the ice or joking about a situation to establish that we're all in this together. Then you've got aggressive humour, which targets someone or something for teasing or ridicule. Boys banter, that is. <clears throat> then you've got self-enhancing humour, is positive and self-accepting and is the only humour style associated with emotional well-being and stability. And then you've got self-defeating humour, involves making fun of yourself to get approval from others and is linked to depression, anxiety, narcissism and low self-esteem. So they just basically looked at 216 white women, says they're white women specifically, um, 18 to 77 years old, <clears throat> So ask them to do questionnaires and stuff basically how they cope with stress how they feel about their body how they like to compare their bodies to others blah 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 blah. so these are what the studies found shot one self-enhancing humor as the authors expected was associated with higher levels of body appreciation and kindness and self-defeating humor was expected uh, as expected was linked to less body appreciation more body criticism a higher drive for thinness and more emotional eating okay really what to take away from this is uh, is our humor style um, telling us a bit about ourselves. Are you a self-defeating humor type of person? And does that say that you have got less body appreciation stuff? Maybe it does. Maybe it's something to look into. And self-enhancing humor, you know, um, is linked with positive stuff. I'm not saying to change your humor levels, but just just a study to maybe have a look and see clues because we want to be reading the book of ourselves, don't we? We really want to be looking at ourselves, reading ourselves, being a light to ourselves. That is how we're gonna find things out. So that might give you some clues, it might not, who knows. But to finish this podcast off, um, well done. We're nearly near the end of, well, not the end, we're four days in. <laughs> um, well done for everyone that's kept going this week, taking it one day at a time. Make sure movement, movement is magic. Uh, walking, running, brisk walks, brisk run, fast run, slow runs, one, some weights you're doing what you can. Doing what you can is the main thing to do. And you should be proud of that. And you keep going. And it's again another day, another time to only focus on what is possible to focus on, which is now. You can only take action now. You can put the best plan. I replied to someone on Facebook yesterday. You know, it's like, yeah, I know this turtle is the best plan. I just need to do, I just need to. I need to do it and it's like exactly you could have the best plan in the entire world given to you on a gold scroll the plan of success and it's nothing it's meaningless without action so please take action today um someone as well was saying they bought a silver or they're getting back you know they told themselves sorry they've told they're on the christmas channel told themselves you might be listening they for three years they're gonna do something and really put a, shared a screenshot of really good macros for the day. Like, you know, is this enough? Exactly where you need to be. That is enough. You just start one step, one day. That's it. That's all. It's the accumulation of that is the change. That's the magic of it. There is a, there's nothing else to it. And it might sound a bit like, oh, is that really it? Well, it is. You turn up, I guess, every day and focus on day-tight compartments and your life will change over time. You've got to be a ripe fruit. Got to give it time to ripen 
farmers not planting wheat now and then tomorrow going where's my meat mate wheat mate <laughs> meat where's he doesn't know what his meat is where's my wheat ah, it's not grown yet mate then take it and it doesn't happen in a day does it no you're right you're quite right there you're quite right and you go oh, okay well we keep we keep the conditions going one day at a time and you will right one over time that's how it works that's how nature works that's how nature intends it to work so we are nature so don't fight that embrace it and I will see you on the Nutrition Roundtable tonight with Dr. P. Um, really, we're going to go around as many people as possible, taking your biggest struggle or biggest thing you don't understand about nutrition or macros or whatever. Um, try and get some commonalities in the themes and then maybe hot seat, which just means, you know, okay, let's go and deep dive into someone for 10, 15 minutes and we'll do it for someone else. Ideally, someone new to Turtle so we can have some new people talking, but we will go through all members. We're not just going to be new new members focused, but it's good to bring in new perspectives, which you'll we'll realize will be similar to other people. And Dr. P will break it down and give you some really good insights that everybody will ben- benefit from. So other than that, see you later.